Welcome to the Iowa Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics podcast. The Iowa Academy is an affiliate of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. We are a nonprofit organization with over 900 members, including registered dietitians, dietetic technicians, and dietetic students. We promote and enhance our profession through activities, conferences, and more to help improve the lives of Iowa citizens through evidence-based practices. This podcast will highlight upcoming events and how being a part of the Iowa Academy can help you grow as a professional through continuing education, networking, and serving in a leadership role. We offer scholarships, awards, and grants to recognize great leaders for the profession and provide them with funds to assist them in meeting their career goals. Head over to eatrightiowa.org for more information. And now, let's get on with the show. Hello, this is Allison St. Germain, your outgoing president for the Iowa Academy. And today we're talking with Anne Elizabeth. She is a registered dietitian, author, podcast host, retail dietitian, and has served in many roles with the Iowa Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Hey, Anne, welcome to the podcast. Hello, Allison. It's so nice to be in company of a past president, the same of the same entity of the Iowa Academy. <laughs> well, you know, I started becoming active in the Iowa Academy when you were getting sworn in or passed the gavel for the Iowa Academy. And so, um, yeah, so you were, I was like, oh my gosh, that's like a really big job. And Anne's really going to have to do a lot of things. <laughs> and look at you. You you went through the you went through the same thing. Now that you can reflect back, was it all worth it for you? Oh, it was. I mean, yeah. it's a lot. But um, I learned a lot, obviously, and it was fun. And I've been able to connect with people that I ordinarily wouldn't. So, yeah, that'll be like a plug for anybody who wants to run for president-elect, for yeah. sure. Well, and I, the same for me, too. I think, like, it's so overwhelming, the thought of it. And then once you kind of get into it, you just kind of do it. But yes, 100% worth it. I You're coming full circle since you started when I was kind of yes. thrown into it as well. So I, I think for a bet, it's nice to be on the other end. I will say. Yeah. And I, so I'm, you know, outgoing president now, so it's a lot less, um, yeah. lot less do, so more <laughs> relaxed. So. But I'm super excited for this conversation because I feel like you are a celebrity <laughs> and you have done so many cool things with the profession of dietetics. And in fact, you interviewed me on your podcast. I don't yeah. know, maybe two, three, no, it's been more than that. It's, it's been a while, yeah, because you had a completely different job and all that type of uh, stuff. Yeah, so you know, I'll have to go back and listen to that to see what I said. <laughs> you, you should put your episode in the show notes of this episode so then people, if they want to go back and listen to your your journey at that point, I think we probably yes, should do another. I'm going to listen to it to see what I said before <laughs> I put it out there again. <laughs> Make sure you're fine with it, right? Like, oh God, what did I say? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No. And so um, this conversation today is going to be part of our educational series for registered dietitians and actually any healthcare professional. And so if you have any resources as we go along here, you know, just let me know and I'm going to put them in the show notes and link it up so that way anyone who's listening can have that information too. Sure. Okay. So very first question, very easy. Do you have a memory of when you first became interested in nutrition? I do. And this, you know, what I think about nutrition is such a, it's such a, we always kind of have this similar story. I think a lot of dietitians, but I definitely 
mine probably isn't very unique, but I was in college and I was pre-med at the time. I was in my junior year, was getting ready to take MCATs and I actually had a semester that I could do an elective. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to take nutrition because doctors will need to know nutrition, which we now know is not true. (laughs) Uh, So I took this nutrition 101 class and it was actually a nursing class. And I was in there with a bunch of nurses. And I just remember like one of the first weeks I was there, I just, I couldn't stop like just listening intently to everything our professor had to say and all the other nurses are jacking around like they don't care and I'm like the nerdy girl up front like tell me more tell me more and I like became friends with a professor and that's what really kind of got me to do a whole switch with my degree and I just was in all the way from that class. That is so cool. And this is another reason I love doing these interviews is I find out things that I never knew, even though yeah. I I did not know you were pre-med. And I I love that you actually made friends with the with the professor. Yeah, I was the big nerd. I didn't even talk to any of the nursing students. I didn't even know any of them. But I can tell you that Debbie was my professor and I loved her. And she was like my bestie for the rest of the semester. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> So after you graduated and did your internship, what what was next for you? Well, I actually, I kind of, I was kind of a backwards kind of dietitian gal. So I actually worked kind of full time when I was doing my internship, which was completely crazy because I had been working as a, I worked in a dermatology office and I had gotten certified in histotechnology, which is the study of tissue. And so I was doing skin cancer surgeries and I was processing tissue and I really loved that. And I kept that job during my internship. And then when I got done with my internship, there was barely any jobs. This was back in, you know, the early 2000s. Dietetics wasn't really an exciting career at that point, And I couldn't really find anything full time. Mm-hmm. So my internship clinical, they offered me a part time role. So I worked there about 20 hours a week. And then I kept my full time job as a histotechnologist with the dermatology clinic. So I did oh, both. Wow, that's a lot. It was. And I did that for seven years. I worked about 50 hours a week. And I did that for seven years right out of my internship. Oh my gosh, that is incredible. I love, I love skin. I love dermatology. Like that's probably one of my other passions. So I think that's kind of what kept me there. Cause I also got like free bonuses, like lasers and Botox and (laughs) all the fun stuff. So I got lots of good benefits, but it's just, it was something that it was like the perfect balance of two kind of passions. And I didn't feel the need to be in that clinical setting full time. And I didn't need to, you know, my full-time job at the dermatology clinic was only 30 hours a week. They considered that full-time, which was even more lovely. Yes. And so it also, I mean, since you were interested in being in, you know, the medical field anyway, that sounds like the the perfect combination. It was. Yeah. That's another thing I didn't know about you. But (laughs) what I do know is you wrote a book and that's super cool. Can you tell us more about that? Yes. Uh, So when I was, you know, in that world of being in dermatology and, and clinical, yes, I had my dietitian friends, but I also 
didn't really feel like I had a good connection with dietetics. And I feel like since I kind of navigated the career on my own, I didn't have, there wasn't a lot of mentorships. There just wasn't a lot at that time. I kind of felt like there was this space that was missing from the dietitian profession. And that was kind of like, okay, I become a dietitian, but what do I do now? And Mm -hmm. to kind of find those resources or find that inspiration of what I can do, you know, not just work my job, but how I can connect and like grow myself as a dietitian. That's kind of where that stemmed from when I wrote my book. And I also was in a very random kind of period of my life. My family was having a lot. We were having a lot going on personally. And I was in the hospital a lot with my sister and my dad. And that just was a perfect time for me to kind of pause and focus on something that wasn't sad and kind of focus on something that was exciting and just kind of make it something that was going to be helpful for the future. And that's where that book, I'm a registered dietitian. Now what came from that? I have the book on my shelf and <laughs> I find it not, or not. I'll have to look. I can't remember if it or not. Cause that was a few years ago. So I've been writing a book myself for several years. Um, however, I just, it's weird. Um, this is how I write. Something comes in my head. And so then I sit down and I write a chapter or whatever, or something that might be a chapter. And so now I'm looking at all my chapters and trying to figure out how do I actually make this into a book. So can you tell us, do you have any tips or hints on if you're writing a book to help those of us that haven't done it before, um, kind of what your process was? That's, I love how you mentioned your process because I think that's kind of how mine was too. Like I had these ideas and kind of wrote a little bit here and there and then kind of pieced it all together. The biggest thing that helped me was to, first of all, thinking of your audience. Obviously, you have to write towards your audience. That is a little bit different than how we probably write personally. So when you look at your initial chapters or things that you're writing, you're probably writing more of my perspective and this is who I am and this is what I like to do and this is what I want to talk about. But you have to kind of think of that receiving end. So kind of switching over to this is what I wrote, but how can I make it more relevant to my reader and how can I open them up to this whole concept? So what would be my introduction to my future reader based on what I've already written. And so my biggest thing was I actually took my chapters, I actually printed them out on a on a printer. So they actually had, I had pieces of paper that I could read them. And then I kind of took it as, I'm going to read this as not me, the writer, but as me, the dietitian who would be reading this. Mm -hmm. And that's how I kind of put those chapters together. So you might, you know, I wrote like about this one day, which maybe had nothing to do with the beginning, but had a great place in the the middle. And then from that, I created kind of like table of contents. And that's where I started piecing those chapters into that table of contents. Like what, topics would I want to talk about. Oh, okay. I like that. So did you have other dietitians read it or um, make comments, feedback, anything like that? I did have a few. I mostly did it. I did it with dietitians that personally know me, which I probably would change that. I'd probably open it up to personal people that know me and then dietitians that have no clue who I am. That's probably one thing I wish I would have did in the beginning. But um, I had about five people read it. But of course, they were personal dietitians that were friends of mine. So they were like, oh, this is great. But I probably needed that extra feedback from maybe dietitians that didn't know me that would actually offer some good, solid feedback. Sure, sure. Yeah. So 
How did you go about finding an editor, a publisher? I mean, I'm clueless about any of that. So I'm assuming maybe our listeners are too. Sure. So an editor, actually, um, there's some great editors that are out in the the world now, specifically for dietitians. And I will find the couple that I've kind of connected with, and we can put that in the show notes. I'll send that to you. But I actually knew someone through a previous job that I had had, and she did editing on her like as a side business. So that actually ended up being my editor and she still does it. So if someone is local or wants to work with somebody that's, um, you know, someone that I know, she's actually a food scientist. So she actually has some, you know, connection to nutrition dietetics, which I think is very important when you choose an editor. Mm -hmm. Um, There's editors all over that don't know anything about dietetics or science. So maybe not the best pick. I would probably pick someone that knows kind of the lingo and what you're talking about. Uh, so that's how I found her. And that is, I think like that's important in the beginning just to kind of have someone, if you get that rough draft done doing, having someone editing it just to kind of see where your, your language is. I also feel like I got very caught up on grammar, which I don't think I'm as particular now because I think that kind of takes away from your personality if you get too focused on grammar. So when you do work with an editor, you can also kind of dictate, you know, how you want it to sound, how you want your flow to kind of be with your book. You don't want it too, you know, white coat kind of too scientific or too prim and proper. You know, you can kind of figure out what do you want your feel to be when you talk Mm -hmm. to your editor. And that's always a good thing to discuss with them. Um, so kind of something that in that mind too, if you do work with an editor and then there's cost associated with that too, right? So editing can cost you, they might charge you by page. They might charge you by word. Um, you know, that's another thing that you have to consider when you're writing your book, if you have that in your budget to afford that. And if you don't, then, you know, we're all educated dietitians. We all went to college. We all took all the classes. So (laughs) Don't get too caught up on spending that money. If you still want to write a book, don't let that stop you, basically. Well, I kind also, of what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I also feel, because I write way differently than I talk, because if I voice a message, I read, you know, I read it before I send it. I'm like, oh my gosh, do I sound like that? <laughs> and so I feel like when I write sometimes, you know, because we were trained to be technical writers, not mm-hmm. so much. Um, other type of writing, but now possibly it's different with um, in dietetics, but I'm not sure. Uh, so anyway, I just wonder if that is maybe something that you experienced um, trying, I think when you talked about not making it too technical and worried about grammar, because I feel like when I write, I get so wrapped up in that versus just, you know, writing. Yeah. yeah. I, yes, I was always, and I always, felt like, what if someone, like, I always was thinking, what if one of my old professors would read this or <laughs> someone that I looked up to and was like, oh my God, this girl is a terrible dietitian. Like I <laughs> kept thinking that in the back of my head. So I wasn't really writing for myself or for my audience. I was writing because I was worried about what would someone else think about this. And now as I'm writing my second edition, I'm actually redoing it currently. I'm <laughs> rethinking you know, I'm just kind of like, who cares? Like, it's my voice. I'm still a professional. I don't give a crap if someone else doesn't like how I write. Um, So therefore, I just, again, like, give yourself some grace. Like, don't be too dietitian-y, I guess, is what I, like, you know, like you said, that technical writing that we get caught up on. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And 
I think, uh, well, for me, in fact, just as I get more experience, you know, because I've been a dietitian 27 years now, and as I get older, I am, I'm the same way. I'm just like, you know what? I really could care less if someone is scrutinizing. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this for me, and this is the message I want to get across and trying to be less critical myself. I feel like that comes with age a little bit, and also with milestone birthdays. Each milestone <laughs> birthday, like, my filter keeps getting less and less. <laughs> yes, yes. And even for the younger dietitians that are listening, like, again, even if you're not our age, you are still, like, still don't get too caught up in all the, yeah. the minutia of all the dietetics world. I think we... We, if we would have known that now, like, you know, as younger dietitians, we probably would have changed our approach when we were younger too. Yes. Well, and I think that the dietetics field in particular, you know, has um, calls people that are perfectionists. And so trying to kind of switch the paradigm to progress over perfection is something that I have to remind myself of all of the time. I love that. And you need to definitely like for you, like anyone that's got this book in them, do it. Like I can't stress enough. Like you, like I'm so excited that you're writing a book because I think you will be an excellent person to provide information to people. There's plenty of books out there, but your book isn't out there. So put your book out there. I know I need to. I during COVID is when I had a lot of um, extra time for reflection. And when I walk is when a lot of my ideas come to me. And so I've had less now that I'm back in the office, I've had less time to do that. So um, I need to actually maybe pencil that in to be able to do that again. So yes. And that's, that's the other thing. Like if you're writing a book, you have to schedule time. You just have to make it a point to, even if you just say, I'm going to write for 10 minutes a week, guarantee Mm -hmm. you put that 10 minute timer on and you're writing for an hour or you're writing for two hours. Like, you know, that's one of my tips. Like if you do think you want to write a book or if you want to start anything, just schedule 10 minutes a week for that task. And then you'll see that start to come to fruition. That is a really good idea. I am going to do that. So I'm getting so many tips. I'm taking notes over here as we're going along. And so the the next part then is the publisher, and that also costs mm-hmm. money. Um, can you t- give us any information on how you went about that process? Yes. So actually, I use a fantastic resource that the Iowa Academy uses as well. Uh, Orman Production is uh, one of the people that I started working with on this process because Josh had a huge insight into how publishing works. And there is tons of publishers out there. Um, You could go the self-publishing route or you can seek out a publisher, which are kind of the two options. Mm -hmm. With that initial kind of, I have this book, I want to get it out in the world. If you want to do it quickly, the self-publishing route is the way to go. And this is kind of what Josh had talked with me about too. We could definitely seek out publishers, but that's definitely a longer road because you're an unknown author. If you've never published before, no one's really heard of you. And most of those publishing houses do kind of look for a name or a brand that somewhat, somewhat is recognized. Sure. Or they're looking for a specific topic. So a lot of times publishers are looking for certain types of niche topics, which you definitely could have. Um, they also look a lot for cookbooks. Like that's a huge thing for them too, which cookbooks are, you know, they pump them out pretty fast. And that's where publishers actually kind of look for, you know, dietitian input that way. 
Okay. And so I feel like your podcast then is a bit of a spinoff from the book. Am I right in that um, assessment or no? Yeah, yes, it was. So podcast did come after the book. And uh, again, it was kind of like thinking if I want to start doing this whole book writing, you know, getting my name out there, maybe being picked up by a publisher because I ended up self-publishing my book because I wanted to get it out there as kind of a part of my platform. I think it gives you some credibility too if you, you know, want to get out in the world and do any speaking engagements or kind of want to get that, you know, if you want to have more books in your future, you kind of have to have some different resources that get your name out there. And that's where that podcast came from. And you have many, many episodes. You've been at this for a while. Yeah, I, I I have. But you know what the best part about the podcast is that I get to do this. I just get to have awesome conversations with other dietitians, which I couldn't, that's like a dream. It's like a dream podcast. It's just like meeting friends and having coffee and having a conversation. And, and then also them sharing, you know, their journey and like their resources and things that they've worked on to hopefully inspire or help other dietitians. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, putting on podcasts costs money. So um, could you um, help our listeners understand a bit about how you're able to, you know, create this podcast, produce it, and that sort of thing? Do you have sponsors? Do you get paid and all that? So podcasting, initially, I was like, ooh, I'm going to make a lot of money on a podcast. I really thought that was going to happen because, you know, there's lots of people that sponsor podcasts. And so when I initially started, that was the whole goal is I was going to make, you know, money in the the back end of podcasting. So I started kind of seeking out some sponsors when I initially started. And I've been doing this for, like you said, quite a while. I'm on like 260 some episodes. And I probably did sponsors for oh, probably a good year, two years. And it is a lot of work to work with sponsors and they do not pay you a lot. Um, Definitely something if you enjoy, I really took it as I took sponsors of products that I really enjoyed or things that I really um, personally liked myself. And that's how I kind of sought out my sponsors. I reached out to sponsors. I connected with them um, and then also negotiated what I was going to get paid per ad. And so you go through ad space basically on your podcast, the beginning, the middle, the end. That's how you kind of sell where they're going to actually put their copy. And then you can decide on what that return of investment would be for them. You usually get paid per play. So per download or per play on your podcast. And it can range anywhere from 10 cents per play to probably like the Joe Rogans of the world who make (laughs) lots of money on their (laughs) podcast. You know, they might get a dollar per pay. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of, it's, you know, I didn't make a lot, obviously, because when I began my podcast, I didn't have a lot of listeners. And so I would make like maybe a dollar an episode. <laughs> and that just wasn't, you know, it wasn't the regs, the richest story I was looking for. <laughs> and I really didn't want to sell my soul to advertising. And so I kind of did it for a year and then I kind of got out of it. And I kind of just took it as this is just going to be another one of my legs of my business or my you know, entity. And it's just going to be something that will help get my name out there and be a resource for people that I care about. Oh, okay. That's, I really like that. So with, cause that's a lot of work though. So how do you keep yourself motivated to do it? If there's not any reward of money to it? I, I know, right? Like that's the thing that we all think, gosh, I'm not making any money. Um, you know, I've gotten some on the back end though. I've gotten a lot of 
I have gotten money on the back end, if that makes sense. So I've had, I've had other groups reach out to me that I wanted to sponsor episodes of my podcast on the back end. I did quite a few speaking engagements from the back end, um, through conferences, through different you know small things that people have actually paid me for. So I haven't made again millions of dollars, but it gives <laughs> you the opportunity to again be heard be recognized. And then someone along the way is going to say, Hey, I really like what she's doing. I want her to be part of something I'm doing. And so sure. there's that way that you can get that back end motivation. Mm-hmm. I also, I'm motivated by that. It just connects me with our profession. Cause I think sometimes in the dietetics world, we get a little disenchanted with the day to day, you know, doing the same thing all the time. And then I talk to these dietitians that are doing just like amazing things. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I still love being a dietitian. So that's what keeps bringing me back of doing the podcast. Well, I feel like in our profession, money really is not the motivator. No, (laughs) we're not going to be millionaires probably. (laughs) Yes. So yeah, I totally understand that for sure. So one of my favorite things that I think you just recently started, um, I have so much on social media, I can't keep up with it all, but I've seen some reels that you've done and try something new or something like that. And try stuff. (laughs) Yes. And I, oh my gosh, my favorite one was when you did the tanning drops and at the end of it, you're just like, I don't even care if I'm tan. I, I was laughing out loud. I'm like, that is so funny. But I am, I've used some tanning drops myself, you know, over the years. And I always, I don't know what happens. I get splotches and it's like, mm-hmm. it's I'm, I'm using some self tanner there. I even have <laughs> recently, I've, I have a big splotch on my elbow, like really dark tan elbow, but the rest <laughs> of it's not tan. <laughs> so anyway, I thought that was cute. I really like that. I love your social media is, is funny. It's entertaining, but it's also informative. So I like that variety for sure. Oh, good. I I always think like, like you said, like social media is exhausting. Like there's so much out there. So yeah. I do try to make it fun because otherwise I will not be on there. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I started with my private practice. I started putting some stuff out there and I just, then when I got this new job, I just really cut back on my private practice and I rarely put anything out there anymore. Um, I did tell myself I was taking the summer off, you know, from my private practice, but here and there I've accepted a client or two. So I'm, I'm never good at boundaries, but I am getting better. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, you do like you have to figure it out. Like sometimes it'll be totally easy to approach and sometimes it won't be. And that's when you do have to just take a break and be like, I'm just, I always take a break from social media and podcasting from like middle of December through February, which is my birthday, okay. just to like get myself off and just get myself refreshed and just give myself some grace with all the things that's going on. Oh, that's a really good idea. So what is something you've learned over the years that would be helpful for someone who's wanting to take a risk and do something new and uncomfortable with their career? Because I know writing a book, doing a podcast, and all of these other things that you've done is risky and it really puts you out there for you know people to make comments and, and all that sort of thing. So do you have any little tips of advice Yes, you're right. It is scary. I will say like nothing about that is comfortable for dietitians whatsoever. Um, My biggest thing is 
I know that if I keep doing the same thing over and over, I'm not going to be fulfilled. And so if you or anyone else feels like that in your life, that means that there's some other calling for you. You just might not know exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the monotony is worse than the risk and the risk is scary, but it's definitely worth it. So if you feel compelled, if there's some tug that you want to do something just do it and you will find somebody. I always say find somebody that can help support you, whether that's a complete stranger on social media, whether it's me, whether it's someone else in the Iowa Academy or some other dietitian that kind of has an idea, you'd be surprised where their, their connections or the connections they have with other people will help get you where you need to be. So you have to kind of talk and start having those conversations, Mm -hmm. but don't talk yourself out of it. Like at least make yourself, I always tell people like, if I'm the person that you want to reach out to, I will be your biggest cheerleader. I will help figure out who needs to help you do what, and we will make it happen if you really want it. So sometimes, yeah, sometimes just bouncing it off someone else that you're not related to, not your spouse, not your significant other, not your mom, not your dad. They're going to be supportive, but they're not going to help you get probably achieve that if you don't have that support you need from other experts in the area. Well, and I've noticed too that leaning into the uncomfortable is where the growth actually happens. During the uncomfortable part, sometimes when I'm doing something new, I'm thinking, why did I put myself in this situation? But mm-hmm. always on the other side of it, I, I just notice that there's so much growth that occurs when you lean into the uncomfortable. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, it's, it's icky sometimes. I mean, I, there was a couple of times that I'm like, I lost it and I would cry. I'm like, why am I doing this? I'm just going to stop. And I can stop, you can stop anytime, but I kept going. And so it was like, yeah, I want to do this. I kept going, but I needed to cry and get it out. So you and that's to cry, give you a little self-care, you know, get yourself, pick yourself up by the boots and keep going. Yes. Yes. Go out. I've even like went outside and screamed at the top of my lungs as I'm like, what am I doing? Like, oh, wow. I love that. Yeah. I just, just to like get it out because I didn't know how yeah. else to get out that frustration of my crazy things that I was wanting to do. So just, I can't encourage anyone, whatever it is, just do it. If you do feel that tug. Yes. I love that. So just to kind of wrap this up here, you've had several roles with the Iowa Academy. We talked about you being president, which you inspired me to be president. <laughs> all. Um, I've worked with you being a media spokesperson because you were a media spokesperson as well as a marketing chair. So how have you felt these roles with the Iowa Academy has helped your career? Well, I will say when I was writing my book is when I really became president and inner, like active with the Iowa Academy. And I feel like that was all the perfect combination of me getting confidence in being a dietitian. I don't feel like I was very confident in being a dietitian overall until like maybe that year. It's probably around 2015. Mm-hmm. And that's where I really feel like being president, having that responsibility, but also being part of a bunch of, being in a group with a bunch of people I really didn't know that well. I mean, everyone was new to me. I never had worked with anybody before. Like that's what kind of propelled me in being more comfortable with being a dietitian. But then also making those connections is kind of what led to like the podcast idea. Like I love meeting new people. I love seeing what other people are doing outside of my career and like what my profession is. So 
I couldn't be in the place I am right now without my roles with the Iowa Academy. And that's great to hear. And of course, because we're always looking for people to help us in the Iowa Academy, because for the most part, we're a volunteer professional organization. We have two paid positions and that's it. So it is run by a bunch of volunteers. So so we always appreciate people like yourself that have dedicated so much time to serving the Iowa Academy. I wouldn't trade it for the world, to be honest. I really wouldn't. It was crazy, but it was totally worth it. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So a lot of us as dietitians tend to our personal life kind of overlaps into our our passions for, you know, health and nutrition and all that. But do you have any interests outside of the dietetics arena? Um, well, I always will go back to my skin. I'm obsessed with skincare. I love everything skin related. Um, outside of that, I also, I'm, I love to golf. I'm, I enjoy golfing a lot. That's kind of my passion right now, just because it's summer in Iowa and we never really get to do anything outside for nine months. So <laughs> doing that, um, I'm very into just, I, I really love being a cheerleader for people. So I love mentoring. I, the craziest probably thing that's happened the last couple of years is that I've been like a mentor for women that are thinking about going through divorce, like other dietitians, which has been a very random connection I've made with people. Cause I've talked about that and I've been divorced and I've been kind of a supportive person for other dietitians going through a similar thing. So I would say like, I love the combination of just being with dietitians, but also being with like on the personal side of dietitians too, like outside of that profession, just having those connections with people from across the world. Yeah, I really love that. And you definitely are, I mean, such a people person, so easy to talk to. So I love that you are able to do that for people. That's awesome. Thanks. It's fun. So where can people get a hold of you and see your content? Can you tell us your social media handles and anything else where we can find you? Yeah, I'm on uh, Instagram. Mostly that's kind of where I spend a lot of my time. I'm starting to dabble in some TikTok. I don't really love TikTok, I'll be honest. It's I feel like I'm too old for it. But um, my handle is Anne Elizabeth RD, and that's on Instagram. It's on Facebook and it's on Twitter. Awesome. And I will put that all in the show notes as well as as well as the resource to your book and um, everything else that you told us today. So thank you so much, Anne, for doing this conversation, this interview. It was so much fun to reconnect and to chat and to get to know you better. Thank you so much, Allison, for having me. Absolutely. Well, that concludes our show for today. Remember to take some time each and every day to celebrate you. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to check the show notes or eatrightiowa.org if you're interested in learning more about the Iowa Academy. You will find important updates, resources, continuing educational opportunities, many of which are free, job postings, and more. Thank you for listening. The Iowa Academy of Nutrition Dietetics, the real nutrition experts.